0: Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information and now join us as we pursue Jesus together.
1: So Pastor Dale, past, you know, like I, I kind of like to speak, you know, they do like that. And so Pastor Dale came up to me and he said I, you know, I'd like you to I'd like you to speak on Sunday. And before I, I I didn't think, I should have paused. I said, yes. And then he said, the subject is godliness. And I said, no. <laughs> no. And then Dale, Pastor Dale, he got that look in his eyes. And he looked at me, and I thought, I thought, this is something profound that's gonna come out of his mouth. And he said, no backsees." So once I committed, that was it. I had to preach on godliness, and I know what happens when I preach on subjects like this. I get convicted, and so as I'm preparing for the sermon, I get convicted of things that are in my life that shouldn't be in my life and things I need to correct and things I need to do, right? And so I guess it's a good thing. I guess it's a good thing. It's a cleansing time, right? But the other other problem was he asked me, like, in the beginning part of the week, and so what do you think I've been doing? since you asked me. I've gone through 400 different sermons in my head, most of them at four in the morning, right? I wake up, I'm sitting there, and I'm going, oh, yeah, godliness and this and that, and I start start preaching to myself. And I thought, I think the best one I had, you're not going to get the best one today. I think the best one was Thursday morning at 4 (laughs) a.m., And the trouble is, is when I do that at four in the morning, and I'm and I'm preaching to myself and going through all these different things. You know, I don't remember. After, you know, I, I you know, and like I said, I've done this multiple times, and so even even like last night, or even this morning, I didn't sleep well last night. And I'm going through all these. You know, I'm I'm thinking and going and sermonizing and and all these things. And I thought, man, I just can't wait till this is done, and then I can, <laughs> and then I can then I can get a good night's rest. So anyways, godliness. Godliness. What do you think about when you think about godliness? And uh, I think about it as course correction. Remember uh, a couple weeks ago when I gave the announcement, I talked about mowing my lawn. And I told you how I would mow my lawn, and there's a certain point where I have no guide really as to what a straight line is. I'm always off. I always go to the left, three feet, always. And even the last time I mowed, I thought, you know, I'm going to try this again. And so I closed my eyes. I got to that point. I closed my eyes and walked ahead. And sure enough, I was off by three feet. You know, it doesn't make any difference. I thought, next time I'm going to pray and be guided by the Spirit and see if I stay on the course. But, you know, if i if, if had been another 30 feet, I'd have been six feet off. If I'd have been another 30 feet, I'd have been, you know, it keeps exasperating itself. And I think what we look at when we look at godliness is the same thing. Godliness is that plumb line that we need to have in our life so we don't wander from the truth. So put up the uh, Second Peter. I haven't been in the church service. Remaining fruitful? There we go. Second Peter, all right? And so I'm just going to kind of, I don't know how much Pastor Dale's already gone through, but I'm just going to kind of go through some, some things to lead up to what I want to talk about. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need, for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, when you read that, when you look at that, what I like the best about that, about that passage is that we may participate in his divine nature. His divine nature. And I think sometimes we forget about that. We are participating in his divine nature. And the other part is we have escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So as we move towards a more godly life, we can begin to see him increase, and us decrease, right? Him increase, and us increase. Now, evil desires have been on this planet since the time of Adam and Eve, right? And they're the same. They're all the same. Nothing has changed as far as evil desires. You can look in the Scripture. You can look at what befell Adam and Eve. You can look what befell the the prophets, Oh, not so much the prophets, the kings of Israel. You can look what befell all these people, and it's always the same thing different variations, maybe different times, different extremes, different kinds of things, but the evil desires are always there. But God, through his divine power, has given us everything we need, everything we need for a godly life. So I like the word everything, because it's absolute. It's absolute. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say, well, you know, these eight things we'll do, and these two things we can't do. It is everything we need for a godly life. And so sometimes I think we have to take hold of that promise, everything we need for a godly life. Let's go on to Second Peter uh, 5 through 9. The next, okay, there we go. So let's read on. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, the to mutual affection love for Four. that means now we have these things. We've added these things. Now, Four. if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So when you look at that, that stepwise cadence that took place, in the verse, you know, it starts off with faith. Or oh, add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. It's kind of like a step, right? Boom, boom, boom. Add this, add this, add this. So that we, so that we may have these qualities and they may increase in our lives. And we, one of the things that I never wanted to be in my life, in my Christian life, is what it says there, ineffective and unproductive, ineffective and unproductive. I don't want to be that Christian. I don't want to be that Christian. I want to be effective and productive, right? You know, so it may may cross over maybe a little bit into, you know, sometimes we say it's works, but, you know, the church works. We got to do things. We got to say things. We got to proclaim things. We got to do things, and I do not want to be ineffective. And what makes me ineffective? My evil desires, my sinful nature. That's what makes me effective. And God knows that there is a war that takes place. I mean, Paul even spoke about it, the war that takes place. I want to do this, I want to do that, right? I think I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. It goes back and forth and back and forth in our mind. But you know what? We have the mind of Christ. We should be able to discern, right, and not give ourselves over to ungodly things. So, if these things are not increasing, we have lost sight of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We've forgotten who we once were and who we are now and the price that was paid. We, in some cases, have become either forgetful or ungrateful or apathetic of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. I have been saved since I was 19. That's when I call it. And so that makes me, at 64, that makes it 45 years, right? 45 years. And to this day, to this day, I still remember what God did for me through his son, Jesus Christ. I cannot get over the fact that someone paid the ultimate price so that I would not have to spend an eternity apart from God. I'm going to spend an eternity with God. I'm not going to be apart. I'm going to be with. And that has driven me to stay true. You know, some people, they talk about backslidden Christians and people that kind of fall off the Christian wagon or they, they fall back into things they shouldn't be doing or even sometimes they even renounce their faith. I have not had that thought ever in my head because I have been... I, and I remind myself of this every day. I am grateful for the work that Christ did in my life. All right? I am grateful because I know the eternal price, right? And the eternal price, if it's all true, if what we read in the Bible is all true, there is a bad place that people are going to go to if they don't believe in Jesus Christ. And there's a great place we're going to go to if we do. Let's go to the next set, Second uh, Peter 10 through 11 it says therefore my brothers and sisters are we there? yep therefore my brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that if I desire anything here on this earth or in heaven that is what I want a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. A rich welcome. Not just, you know, I just can imagine some people, I mean, I'm hoping it's not me, get to heaven and they go, oh, oh, you're here? You know, <laughs> you know you're know, you here? You made it? You know, I'd rather have people, you know, not that I want to exalt myself, but, you know, hey, it's a rich welcome and the one that's going to be leading the, uh, hopefully leading the, uh, the cheer is going to be Jesus Christ. You're here. Isn't that a great thing? You, the trials and tribulations, the things that went on. You know, you're here. You're here. So I think we lose sight of eternity, right? I think we get caught up in the world that we live in, the, the good things that we have in this world, right? And we live in a nation where there's a lot of good things. We have really nothing to complain about in this country as far as want or, or lack of things because everything is there for us. So I think we get wrapped up in the world, and what's going on, and we forget about that someday, right, we are going to enter into his kingdom. We take our eyes off the prize. We take our eyes off the prize. Let's go to the next set, right? So now we're going to take a look at guided through a different lens. And like I said, I don't think I said this at the beginning, this is not going to be a list of do's and don'ts, Right? A lot of, you know, I've, I've grown up in different churches, and I've read about different things that took place in the 50s. Don't go to bowling alleys, right? I mean, there's things like that, right? Don't go here. Don't go there. Don't, 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 you know? And sometimes we get a, we become a, a people of don'ts as opposed to a people of do's, right? But I'm not going to talk about any of that because I think there's a lens. There's a lens that we can all used to look at this there's a lens that will help us lead godly lives so if we look at first corinthians chapter 3 10 through 17 and this this verse i read when i was uh, first saved somehow you know how it is when you're first saved you take god speak to me and you open your bible up to any page and you put your finger there and oh my gosh you know you know Some of us landed in Leviticus. We didn't know what we were doing there, you know. But for some reason, this verse has stayed with me for 45 years. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one, each one should build with care. That's us. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ, If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day, capital D, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. (sighs) That, if anything, that's the verse that stuck with me for a long time. Because I was in college. I was 19 when I got saved. I was my first year of college. I had, I had plans when I went to college to live a very uh, loose life, right? I had made, I had worked the whole year before at a, uh, at a, at a uh, mail transfer facility, right? I mean, we bulk mail, Right? I was making $5.50 1974 to 1975. And just to give you an example, the minimum wage was $1.60. So I was making three to four times the minimum wage. And so today, with a minimum wage of $12, I'd have been making $50 an hour unloading trucks, right? I'd saved all my money up. My parents really didn't help me out very much going to college. And I saved my money up. And I saved enough money up for a single room. I had no roommate yeah, no roommate. I thought I was going to be, you know, girls, 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 right? I had my own place. I didn't have to worry about anything, right? I didn't have to worry about a roommate or nothing. And then what happened is in like in October, I got saved, and then I gave up my single room because <laughs> I had no need for it anymore, you know? It's just kind of funny how your mind thinks, you know? And then... Uh, when I, I don't know if I've said this before, but I, uh, when I was in college, I had the look. I had long hair. I had a long, I had long uh, trench coat I used to wear. You know, I just looked like, I looked like a drug dealer or a heavy drug user. Because I'd get asked. Uh, people would say to me, hey, Jim, do you want to come over tonight and study English? And I said, oh, sure. And I thought we were going to go study English. And so I, I get my books together, and I go over there to his dorm room, and, and then he, he's, uh, this person, he starts shoving the rug under the door. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I thought we'd, you know, smoke some weed before we studied. And I said, I don't do that. What? You know, what? You don't do that? I thought you, like, supplied, you know, you know. I said, I don't do that. I don't do any of that. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do any of that stuff. <sighs> you know? So it was just, it was, it was an amazing thing. So that scripture has stayed with me. But fire will test your works, right? And I was thinking about this today. You know, we have a nice cross right here, right? Cross. And so on this side of the cross are all the people. And these are the unsaved. These are the pagan people. Someone gets saved, right? And, they, and they're working through... <laughs> And when we eventually get to heaven, I don't want to be the guy that just can cross over like this and then, you know, go through that fire and then have this ash heap all around me. And then I, and then I get in the shuttle bus, right? Because you're in heaven. They got to transport you some way. So I get in the shuttle bus and no one wants to sit next to me because I smell like smoke, right? I smell like smoke. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be able to come through and basically come through and have everything kind of come through with me. Because I've led a godly life. I've led a life that uh, is pleasing to God. I don't want to be, have a bunch of ash sitting right here. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Now, so we're going to, well, this is coming to the kind of the cool part. and So you have to kind of listen carefully. And 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17, if you put that up. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. So you read that, and you go, holy smokies, I am God's temple. So I always look at God, the way God interacted with humans, different ways. Right, there was God's presence in the tabernacle, he, you know, the fire and the column, the fire and the column. He actually appeared to quite a few people in the Old Testament, right? And then along came Jesus and he poured his life into twelve, right? Poured his life into twelve. But to really to set the church on fire, to set the church to spread all over, something had to change, and that change was we became the temple of the living God. That means that when the Holy, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, right? So we are a sacred space. We are a sacred space. So in the days of Adam and Eve there was the whole earth. There was Eden and there was the garden of Eden, right? Three places, right? The whole old earth, Eden, the garden of Eden, three. And where did God commune with Adam and Eve It was in the Garden of Eden, the sacred place, right? The innermost place. Now, let's take it down a little bit. Let's go to Moses. When Moses came down from the, uh, from the mountain, and I always like, and I, and I know I, I've used this, now, uh, this thing before, but has anybody seen uh, History of the World Part 1 with Mel Brooks? The part I like the best, I don't, I've, never, I've never seen the whole, but the part I like the best is when he's coming down off the mountain and Mel Brooks is Moses, and he's carrying three tablets. I give you the 15, and then one drops, 10 commandments. You know, it is the most hilarious thing. But, it's, but, but not just coming down with the 10 commandments written on stone. He probably came down with a set of blueprints, right? Because God told him how to make the tabernacle, which is what was in heaven, right? The tabernacle, a kind of what was in heaven. And what, what are the three parts of the temple, or the tabernacle? The outer court. The holy place and the holy of holies, same thing, right? Same thing. So there's a rhythm and a rhyme to what God does in everything, everything, right? And so when David built the temple, right, three parts, same thing, three parts. So now we don't have this Bible verse, but I'm just going to read it. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there we have three parts again, right? You could say the body is like the outer court, right? The soul is the next. And the holy of holies is the spirit, right? You can, you can look at that and see that. And so that's why I thought this is not a discussion on do's and don'ts. This is the discussion on realization of who we are and what we are in Christ. He dwells in us. That should be our filter. That should be the way, the lens we look through things. How that should be the thing that. That should be the thing that impacts our conduct, you know. What we see, what we look at, everything that happens. Does this glorify God? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, then don't do it. Right? Like I said, I had to make adjustments when I started preparing for this sermon. I thought I, uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's why I didn't want to do that. What? Just give me steadfastness, just give me you know love. Just give me one of the other ones. But godliness, oh, right? So God's temple is sacred. That's me and you. If you are saved, you are God's temple. We are, we are a sacred space for God to dwell. Now think about, take it back. Uh, so you see why there is no need for a list? There is no need for a list. I mean, there are lists in Scripture that tell you different kinds of things or behaviors that will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are those kinds of things. But we don't need a list, right? If our focus is on living godly lives and being pleasing to God and understanding that we are the temple of God, then all these other things that we might have engaged in fall to the wayside. You know, when we read Leviticus, we usually move through that pretty fast, right? Pretty fast. Pretty fast right? Over 600 different rules and regulations that really no longer pertain in the modern age, right? And after all, you know, we're not under the law. But God, but the nation of Israel that came out of Egypt, right, in one fell swoop, right? In one fell swoop, they were given dietary and hygiene rules, civil law, and practices to interface with God. One fell swoop, that probably would have taken anybody else if they, were, if they were to worship something else or whatever. It would have probably taken them years to get to that point, years to get to that point. In one fell swoop, they were given everything they needed to do to stay healthy, govern themselves, and interface with God, right? The Israelites were a people called by God to be his leaders on the earth. We are the same. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we have all been saved, redeemed, sanctified. There are only two kinds of people in the world, the pagan the pagan and those who call Christ their Savior. We also are a people set apart. And sometimes, right, sometimes it's not that clear that we are a people set apart. Sometimes it's not that clear, right? Personally, like I said before, I don't want to cross over and just be inside the line. If this is the line, the cross of Christ is there, and this is the line, I just don't want to be here. I don't want to cross over and be here. I want to live a, live a life that's different. I want to be a godly person. I want godliness to pervade my life and ooze out of my life to affect others around me. I want to be humble and broken before God so that I'm easy to mold and change. So that means that I want to be over here somewhere. I want to be over here Somewhere over here. And I think the closer you move over here, the more humble you get, the more open you are to change, right? Because you understand the sacrifices. You understand what God's trying to do. You understand the price that was paid. You understand the price that's to be obtained. I think sometimes when people get haughty and people get legalistic and people get all kinds of things, they're right here. They're right here. They're right here. They're just comparing themselves to you, they're comparing to make themselves either f- to feel better, to justify their actions, that kind of thing. So I understand that we're all in different places. Like I said, I think I'm over there, but I might not be over there. I might be kind of right there. But I want to give us all latitude as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are on different paths, different places on the path. Oftentimes, I think we expect when people get saved or they've been saved for a long time, our expectations are different. I'm hoping they're different. But sometimes they're not. We treat, sometimes we look down on people because they're not where we are. Well, how long did it take you to get there? Like I said, I've been saved for 45 years. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't fully aware of all the things when I got saved. I mean, I didn't fully understand the, the Scriptures. I didn't fully understand that stuff. I didn't. You know, I went through a lot of different things, a lot of different uh, uh, reading and studying and learning and repenting and all those different things. So, this is the realization today for you as far as godliness, is that we are, we are today God's sacred place. Let that sink in, that this is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And of all the things that we do and say, you know, we can either offend it or not offend it, right? Right? So today I pray that we think, pray, contemplate what it means to be a sacred space for God to dwell. Let that filter all the things we say, do, and think. If we truly take hold of us being a sacred space, Godliness will be the outcome. Godliness will be the outcome. It's 1054. Is that okay? Is that okay? I got more stories to tell. No. So anyways, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I'm thankful, Lord God, that you've given us uh, a standard to measure ourselves against. And it's not one another it's you. In your word, Lord, you've given us different things, how to act, how to behave, what to do, how to think. And Lord, I pray that we all take account and look inside. And Lord, and realize that we are that sacred space. We are that temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. We are that place. And that that alone, Lord, will drive how we think, what we do. So, Lord Jesus, I'm thankful for this time. In your precious name, amen.
0: Thank you, Pastor Jim. Yes, please give him a hand. I've learned the church never gets upset if the sermon's a little shorter. (laughs) As the worship team comes up to lead us in just a really powerful song for us to respond with, um, you know I, I was thinking as Pastor Jim was, was sharing, and I always take notes when i'm when I'm listening and and I love I love what he left us with is that with the Spirit of God living in us, we are a sacred place. I knew that, but I hadn't thought of it like that. That's powerful, that's really powerful. and I, I, I began to to think about it as I was sitting there. There was a, a young lady I used to work with that shared her testimony with me, and she she was raised in the church. She was raised in the ways that that she should go, but it was exactly what what Pastor Jim was talking about. It was like a list of do nots: do not do this, do not do this. And and she grew up hearing all these do nots, and she was she started asking that question: why? They have never given me the reason why, and and she began to live her life the way that she wanted to, the way that that the world would say was the most acceptable thing to do, and she began to train wreck her life. Now, God got a hold of her, and and she did everything she could, but not before things were just a total wreck. And she said to me, she said, nobody gave me the reason why, and now I know it. And and now I know it. And this is what we see in Scripture. The way that that Scripture works is the closer we get to, to God, the more holy the ground becomes. Okay, the closer we get to God, the more holy the ground becomes. And so I think sometimes we work on behavior modification. We work first on trying to become something, but we're not even close enough to God. So we start working on don't do this, don't do that. And we don't even know God yet. And God is saying, no, come to me. And what happens, as we become closer and closer to God, the things of this world just begin falling off of us. And all of a sudden, we look around, and we barely recognize ourselves because we're getting closer to God, our Father. And so just that idea that God is in us, His Spirit is in us, and it is a sacred place. And the more that, that we begin to partake with Him, partake in the nature of Christ, the more we begin to look like Him And we're not thinking about rules and regulations. We become more like him, and we're walking on holy ground. Amen? Would you please stand? Heavenly Father, we are so fortunate. You say blessed. Blessed are those. And and it's like saying... We are fortunate to be here and to worship and to look upon you today. And Lord, as a church, as a congregation, as we worship, as we put our eyes upon you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you move among us. I pray that you are here and that you begin to do a work in our lives right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.